the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Today's guest is Cal Beyer, who is a certified wellness practitioner with the CSDZ Insurance Company that specializes in construction insurance and risk management. I had Cal on to talk about a new initiative we're starting here in Northeast Ohio called Too Tough to Talk. That's online at the number two, T-U-F-F, number two, T-A-L-K dot com, which we are joining forces with the AGC of Northwest Ohio to promote construction mental wellness and suicide prevention. Uh, Cal has had over 30 years in the industry in insurance and in construction, working for contractors, currently working out of Seattle, Washington, and took the time to um, speak to us about the importance of mental well-being, not being afraid to talk, and just spreading that word that it's not it's not weakness to talk about your feelings and talk about your problems. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Cal Beyer. Good morning, Cal. How are you? Hey, Tim. Great to see you again. Thank you. Yeah, nice to see you. Um, just for everybody's uh, background on how Cal and I got introduced... I uh, have been, and for the last few years, I've been in touch with the AGC National Network, and just through their publications, I've seen several chapters really push hard on mental health and construction and suicide prevention. Specifically, the AGC of Missouri chapter uh, has a nice uh, effort to uh, address suicide in, in construction and try to prevent it. And uh, so I this summer, I, I asked our safety director, Kent Kreitzer, to research the issue to see if there was anything we needed to do here in Northeast Ohio to to address the issue and to, to help our industry. And he re- reached out to his network and, and got in touch with AGC of Northwest Ohio in Toledo, and they were in touch with you, Cal. And so and the rest is history that you presented to our Labor Management Safety Forum a couple of weeks ago. Everybody was very impressed, and we've actually had um, three or four personal uh, anecdotes from people that heard your presentation saying, man, we, we really need this. Um, my family's experienced uh, uh, you know, suicide, and, and it's been impacted. So I'm, I'm firmly convinced that this is something we need in, in Northeast Ohio, and so I'm glad to have you on the podcast with me. And um, why don't you tell uh, us about yourself? Well, thank you. And I consider you guys among my new friends. I appreciate what uh, Kent and Greg Burkhart are doing over at AGC of Northwest Ohio as well. In my younger years, I spent a lot of time consulting in Ohio, and it's always felt like home. And okay. so I'm going to consider this a homecoming. Great. I grew up in Wisconsin, and my first experience with suicide was in my family. Uh, I saw my mother help a cousin on the loss of a son. And I saw her gift of compassion, and it really touched me to see how she was a peacemaker in her family and how she was able to break down stigma. And then, sadly, Tim, six months later in our neighborhood, she responded to a suicide as a mom, helped another mom through a really tough time. And that was a family that wasn't real nice. They caused a lot of havoc in our neighborhood. Mm. And um, I learned some valuable lessons about never judging people. And then I had the fortune of working in healthcare through high school and college. Um, some great experiences, thought about a career in medicine, but realized um, that probably wasn't the best career path. 
but it shaped me to becoming a safety, health, and wellness risk management professional. And Tim, what I learned was the pain of suicide was the one pain we couldn't take care of. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And so then I went on to school and graduate school. Um, every job I've had since that time has touched mental health and suicide prevention. My first mental health project was in the late 80s, and it was for employee assistance programs and then officer assistance programs for first responders. And then really quickly, I'll share with you, my first suicide prevention project was in jails, uh, municipal detention facilities, and we did behavioral risk assessments, and we changed a recruit training standard on uh, getting better behavioral health training. So then I was called to the construction industry in 1996, and um, I moved from Chicago out to the Northeast. And it was Hurricane, I'm sorry, it was 9-11, and then Hurricane Katrina, where I saw contractors, then essential workers, before we use that term, essential workers, they were in on recovery around the same traumatic experiences, and no one was talking about assistance programs for contractors. We didn't really know how to help, but it paid, uh, I paid attention to it. Right. And what I would tell you is post-Hurricane Katrina, we were doing more critical incident response to bring resources to contractors whose families had lost their homes, had economic destruction and devastation, and were separated from their families. Who were you working for when you were doing this? I was working for a large national insurance company So in the insurance industry, we were consultants to the construction industry. And um, specifically during 9-11, it was Zurich, North America. And during uh, post-Hurricane Katrina, it was called Arch Insurance. So I started doing training classes across the country on emergency preparedness and disaster response and teaching people critical incident response, how to take care of people when bad things happen. And that was the precursor for what became a movement on mental health and suicide prevention. Okay. So you uh, did the insurance company get involved in, in uh, mental health and suicide prevention? Um, not so much. It was uh, probably something I wish I'd been bolder. In 2009, I wrote an article with a gentleman who taught me a lot. His name is Bob Vandepaul. At the time, he was the president of a company called Crisis Care Network, Mm -hmm. and he was on the ground leading teams on critical incident, and I was out doing front work and then referring people to him, and then he and I started doing training. So that article was called The Critical Human Element of Crisis Management. And then what happened in 2010, Bob was appointed to be the co-chair of a new organization, And it was called the National Action Alliance for Suicide Prevention. And he was leading the workplace task force. Okay. He invited me to join him. And I was the only non-clinical person. And I felt like a fish out of water. It was uh, a lot of learning. And in 2012, I said, our industry construction should be treated like a high-risk population. We have so many risk factors and no one pays any attention to our working conditions, our culture and our lifestyle. Yeah. I need help is what I said. I need help. 
So you currently and in 2014, I went to work for a contractor. Okay. So I moved my family from Minnesota to the Seattle area. It was a union contractor, hot mix asphalt and uh, paving. Yeah. And they allowed me to bake mental health and suicide prevention into our safety and risk culture. I got experience working with our labor unions, got experience working with our employees. And immediately we broke through some barriers. We were able to get people help. And it became a, an initiative that morphed into a movement. And is that who you're still working for today? No, this has been a weird career, Tim. <laughs> um, I followed my heart and I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to have opportunities developed that have allowed me to do this work full time. So I work now for a company called CSDZ. We're part of the Holmes Murphy uh, family of companies. CSDZ is a hundred year old firm in risk management, insurance, surety, and employee benefits. Okay. And they asked me to build a new practice on worker well-being and workforce risk. And I started that job on March 16th, the day before the rest of the world oh, went shelter at God. home and work at place. Wow. What a time. What a time. And what start. they had me do, Tim, was really cool. They said, take care of people during COVID. Cal, you know associations, you yeah. know labor unions. Go help people adjust to the stress of uh, COVID. Man, if there's ever a time people needed it, now's the time. Yeah. Timing is everything. And uh, I was really nervous about what this job would be like with COVID. And uh, since March 16th, three hours into my new job, is when I did my first webinar. Every week, I've been able to do something across um, the U.S. And we'll talk more about some of the statistics in our industry. Mm -hmm. But I targeted the top 12 trades and the top 15 states. Could I do something in the construction industry in those trades and in those states to address um, big high risk? Yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. And so you're you're in Seattle today, right? I am. And a big shout out to my friends at AGC of Washington. They were the first chapter of AGC that allowed me to um, do this program uh, years ago. So they took a big leap of faith. Who's this new guy? Yeah. And uh, why does he always talk about mental health and suicide prevention? Yeah. And I'm grateful to the support from AGC National. Uh, the opportunity this year to speak at the Safety Health Environmental Conference earlier this week at the HR training directors and then the joint AGC CFMA conference. Oh, that's great. It's kind of a trifecta um, of the leaders in our industry. I'm really, really grateful to, uh, to everyone at, at AGC National and all the chapters. Oh, that's great. And shout out to uh, Kevin Cannon at AGC National. Kevin um, and that whole team, they're, um, they're the A-team. Yeah, they sure are. Well, you have a slide deck for us. Um, you know, I, I'm personally, I'm not familiar with the issue uh, at all, almost, except that to know that it's a problem. So can you educate us on this issue? Yeah, I think what brought us together, Tim, and I can tell we're going to get along famously, was this initiative called Too Tough to Talk. Right. And uh, when your safety director, Kent, called recently, he asked if I could do a presentation on pretty short notice. And I did. That's the advantage of being in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> I can get up early and meet with people on the East Coast. So just thanks to Kent and Courtney to for their flexibility. Yeah. Just add yeah. three hours to your day, Cal. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome to COVID. Yeah. But I think what's been powerful is the AGC Northwest chapter, Greg Burkhart attended an AGC safety conference in Denver in 2017. And I spoke at that. And Greg reached out to me shortly after getting back to Ohio. And he thanked me. And he said, I need to learn. And I hope that you'll teach me. And I put him in touch with AGC of Washington. And he knew a lot of people already. And Greg had a heart for this topic. He'd uh, worked as a first responder previously, and now he's doing safety and training, and he cares about people. And I can see why he and Kent get along so well. But the Too Tough to Talk campaign was done by Greg and their director of marketing, Laura Jenkins. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they asked me to meet with them to talk about an initiative, I thought they were at the starting point. And they showed me this logo. They showed me this website that was 85% done. And I was blown away. And they're like, well, hopefully it's okay that we're, you know, taking some of this material from the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. And we said, this is about saving lives. So we share. Everyone shares. Right. So when Kent called, told me that you'd asked him to reach out to AGC of Northwest Ohio and asked me to come and do this presentation, I feel like this is a leverage point. Your contractors and your unions already share employees through the different parts of the state. Right. And to have one message is going to make this easier for people to embrace and adopt. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited. So we call it a joint labor management initiative. Mm -hmm. Both chapters, the CEA in Cleveland and uh, Northwest Ohio, brought labor and safety directors together. And the opportunity then to talk about how do we partner to promote health and safety and um, really excited about it. There's going to be great resources. I think what I'll do is uh, launch that website, right? And we'll see if we're able to uh, to open that up. Tim, this might be where you have to edit. It'll be a little bit clunky, but That's there we okay. are. There it is. So I'd like to just walk you through some of the high level, and then I'll give you a little bit more background and information about why this is so important. But this campaign is to prevent suicide in the construction industry. And you'll see it starts with a reality check. And the reality in construction is that more people die by suicide every year than die from occupational injuries in construction. Wow. And I let that sit in because that's almost shocking. And the real reality is these numbers are understated. Right. We know from BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics that OSHA uses, those numbers are more accurate. And we know about a thousand people die from occupational injuries. One is too many, but in suicide, it's three to four times that number. And it's estimated in construction up to 5,500 suicides among construction and retirees. Wow. And so something had to be done. It was a crisis. The reality is the data didn't exist until July of 2016. The CDC mm -hmm. had never done a study on suicide by occupation. So, that so we started this campaign in 2014 when I went to work for that contractor. And the company I worked for, he said, if it'll help one person, then why wouldn't we do this? Right. What's and that, that's uh, what that everyone fourth, across the country is now saying. That fourth bullet point. There, Cal, the fourth bullet point, 
The second sentence, mining, querying, oil and gas extraction are the number one in suicide rate. Where does construction rank? Construction is the highest in terms of deaths by suicide, and we're the second highest rate. Wow. Oh, yeah, I see it there. Yeah. Yeah. And in the U.S. population per 100,000, 14.2 people die by suicide. And in construction, for males, it's 49, and then blended rate, 45.3. Wow. So it's at least three and a half times. But Tim, here's how we know this is underreported. Another clue. I'd been helping the Secretary of Health in Washington State with some projects. And as he asked me to help him in some other industries, I asked him for kind of a quid pro quo. Look, my employer is allowing me to help you with your state EAP, help you in the agricultural industry, participate in some task forces. Can I get something more for construction? Right. What do you need, Cal? I said, John, it would be great if you could help validate the death rate, just so we know, you know, where do we stand in Washington State? And at that particular point, we knew that there had been six occupational fatalities in construction in 2018 statewide. One was a suicide. So five were occupational. Yeah. And when the data came nine months later, it was 125 suicides. Wow. And that wasn't all death certificates because they didn't list a cause of death in all cases. Sure. They didn't list an occupation in all cases. So again, we know this is understated. Okay. So if we yeah. can save one life, this is all worthwhile. And that's been the rallying cry that's made this a safety and health topic. Yeah. So just on our end, and this website is uh, too tough to talk.com for those of you who can't see it or, or, or just listening on the audio version of the podcast. And that's the number two T U F F the number two T A L K.com. Um, right now it's branded uh, solely Northwest Ohio AGC but uh, the folks over there at AGC of Northwest Ohio have agreed to expand this to the entire northern half of Ohio to allow CEA to jump in on this and, and add the uh, Northeast Ohio resources to the page and, uh, and get the Northeast Ohio uh, unions involved in this work as well. Yeah, it's really cool. It uh, almost gives me goosebumps. I get so darn excited. So you'll see here's some of that branding that you talked about. And then it talks about, you know, hey, our goal, how can you get involved? How can you help? And what I'm really excited about is resources for employers yeah. and resources for workers. And then it talks about the health benefits um, with respect to our labor unions in, uh, in the area. And this will continue to be expanded by Kent and Courtney and uh, Greg and, and Laura over time. But on the employer resources side, mm -hmm. a big shout out to the AGC of Missouri. They've done some great work. There's a gentleman out there named John Gall, who I've now become friends with. Uh, Dr. John Gall, really appreciate him. Um, he has partnered with that chapter in St. Louis. And John uh, lost a son to suicide oh, man. Uh, from traumatic brain injury and then depression. And uh, John's been working with the medical school at Washington University in St. Louis and AGC has just been a huge supporter of his efforts. And recently, uh, Tim, your friend uh, Don Greenwell invited me and John to be panelists 
uh, on a webinar for a town hall Builders on September 8th. in Kansas City. In Kansas City. Yeah. Thank you. And really powerful. So that's a huge shout out. You'll see Toolbox Talks. They've got posters they've developed, additional resources. And then the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention, that started in October of 2016. Uh, my friends at the Construction Financial Management Association started that to support the effort. They asked, how could they help? And I said, two things. I need a website. Right. I can't keep sending emails to people. I got to have a place that I can direct people to. And secondly, would you help me recruit other associations? And uh, that's what began. So if you want as an employer, as a labor union, as an industry supplier or supporter, um, you could be a professional provider. You could be an owner listening. You can sign a pledge called the Stand Up Pledge. It's Take a Stand for Suicide Prevention. Okay. And they'll send you a starter kit with information, hard hat stickers, etc. It's pretty cool. That's good stuff. And then I'd like to just really quickly resources for workers. Uh, that one's not opening, Tim. Oh, it's I think it's so I working. apologize. I see it spinning. But there's the information too. here. There we go. So which the workers will see will be local mental and behavioral health support organizations. Right. There's two I always talk about, niche and wide. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, is a great organization that helps people mm -hmm. who are one of the five who deal with an underlying mental health condition. So one in five individuals, adults, have that underlying mental health condition. And NAMI has programs to help break stigma mm -hmm. and to help teach families, friends, supporters, even caregivers. And they offer training. They'll come to your organization and they can do group training. They can do leadership training. They've done a great job. And the second organization I always talk about is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They also have training program and they also provide services for survivors of suicide. So bereavement information, helping uh, to plan a memorial service. They have a program called Healing Conversations. That's really good for survivors to have someone who's walked in those shoes right. um, help that person learn how to use their voice and uh, gain comfort and confidence in doing so. What is the typical so experienced cow when when uh, is it the person who's struggling? emotionally and mentally that reaches out normally, or is it someone that knows them that reaches That's out? That's a great, great question. Generally speaking, we have these barriers to care and it's a lot of times stigma, that fear of the unknown. Mm. It's a reluctance to say, I'm not okay. So we need to teach people it's okay to not be okay. And we need to teach people to accept offers of help. But mostly we wear these masks. And so we're not open. We tell people we're fine. No, I'm good. No, this time, really, I've got it. I'm good. Yeah. And what we need to do is when someone asks if we're okay, we need to be honest. And we need then to have peers able to refer us to websites like this, resources like the ones that we're going to talk about today or we already have talked about. Generally, I would say it's family members reaching out of concern. 
And then it's now in the workplace, we've kind of normalized this conversation. So peer to peer can say, hey, I think uh, concerned about you. Not sure you're okay. I'd love for you to make that call. Let me make it with you. Yeah. And have you have you had stories or anecdotes from either contractors from the AGC of Washington or AGC of Missouri, those, those areas where they've rolled out these, these initiatives? Have you, have you heard stories of how it's impacted people? Oh, it's so impactful. And Tim, like the company I was working with for that six years, when we rolled out, we were slow and deliberate. We were not outrunning the supply line or the ability of people to absorb it. Um, about a year and a half in, we did some role playing and we called that role play. Are you okay? And we were teaching people to ask if someone was safe to work. Hey, I noticed you were uh, withdrawn today. Is everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, it doesn't look like it. The last couple of weeks you haven't been yourself. Yeah, I know, but it's better. Well, it doesn't look like it's better. You seem really agitated today. Like we were teaching them how to have that type of conversation and um, we asked them to ask that person if they were safe to work. Mm-hmm. And then if that person said no, be able to refer them to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, Crisis Text Line, or our Employee Assistance Program, or their union's Employee Assistance Program. Sure. And within days, people on job sites started sharing, hey, I made that call, um, got some information shared it with my brother. It was always, they called for a friend, right? Sure. Yeah. And that was like their way of saying, thank you. And then Tim, what happened was powerful. The next time we did a group divisional meeting, Mm -hmm. we had employees start to share stories. Hey, since we're going to show a couple videos today on mental health, I'd like to just share uh, my story. Right. And we had an individual tell this very compelling story. And we looked around out of 73 people in that room, all of us had tears. And that led to another employee sharing his story. And Tim, the most amazing thing about this, three employees went to teach. So these were three hourly field union employees went to teach a group of safety directors in another state. Wow. How to talk about this in the workplace. That's impressive. It was impressive. So yes, the stories, the anecdotes, where I saw it firsthand is when I did 18 job site visits and I took out uh, what I call pocket packets. They were coin envelopes that would fit in a safety vest front pocket or your back jeans pocket. And it had wallet cards and hard hat stickers. And uh, we started with a moment of silence. Mm -hmm. And then we asked if people feel comfortable by show of hands. How many of you have experienced a loss of suicide in your family? And it wasn't uncommon to see 30, 40% of those hands go up. And no fidgeting, no kicking rocks during those toolbox talks. People were riveted because they felt the pain. They understood what we were talking about. So don't be afraid to talk about this. Are those toolbox talks? Yeah. Are those toolbox talks part of the um, the employer resources that you're making yes. available? AGC of Missouri and the Construction Industry Alliance, trying to do more of those in Spanish, but uh, sure. for sure you'll see those in English. Right. And it's been really powerful, Tim. The anecdotes are what drive people 
it's the understanding that this could impact someone's life. Right. And that we're all in this together. And right now during COVID, the stress, the anxiety, all the uncertainty, the social unrest, the concerns about the election, the economy, it's been like this uh, triple whammy. Oh, man. And people, yeah, I don't even want to say what else could go wrong. Like, knock on wood, right? for sure. It's been a year like we'll never forget. So what makes the construction industry such a, uh, a high rate of incidence for suicide? There's so many factors, Tim. When I was working with that National Action Alliance, I partnered with Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas. She, at the time, had a foundation named after her brother, and now she does independent consulting. Sally and I started kind of profiling what are the various risk factors that make us a high-risk population. So we broke it down into industry factors, some company factors, that would be employer or union, and then job, task, environmental, and then ultimately worker lifestyle. Mm -hmm. The number one thing that we first focused on was our old-school culture, that tough guy, tough gal culture. We have a lot of multi-generational workers and that tough guy where we don't talk about our feelings is baked into our culture. Mm-hmm. It's in our DNA. So that was one factor where we don't get help. We don't talk about it. We just plow through and then we play through the pain. The second real factor we identified is issues relating to pressure. And so we had a lot of superintendents and project managers tell us everyone in companies know which jobs are winners and losers. And we don't have bullying. We don't have hazing anymore. It just feels like we get flogged if we fall behind on schedule, budget, quality, safety, et cetera. Right. Well, that was kind of an interesting observation. People were describing like humiliation. We also heard people talk about being perfectionists. They take pride in the craftsmanship, building with their hands, solving problems with their brains. And when they made a mistake, they knew it cost the company, it cost time, it cost money, it had to be corrected. They just felt like they put themselves under this microscope and then just beat them. So some of it's coping skills. But if I gave you just another list, it would be things like our historic tolerance of alcohol And then ultimately substances Mm -hmm. where a lot of companies said in labor unions, well, I don't care what they do on their personal time as long as they show up at work. Right. And so I would say there's been a growing awareness of those long-term effects on substance use. Drug testing is no longer enough. And we'll talk more about that, Tim, but additional factors people talk about those accelerated schedules, the compressed timeframe, has led to more overtime, unscheduled overtime. Mm -hmm. The industry I was in, we had 40% more night work in the six years I worked there than in the 10 prior years. More DOT agencies were moving to night work to maintain better mobility. And in some cases, safety, except the fatigue this caused on workers. If you think about, we have harsh, working conditions, heat, cold. We work through um, all seasons. 
And then you look at our jobs, a lot of heavy manual labor, a lot of potential for chronic pain. Our body just breaks down over time. So people are worried about getting kicked to the curb if they have an injury. So we've got to have a caring culture to protect them. But in 2015, our industry had the highest incidence of prescription opioid pain medication. Right. It was people taking medication at their doctor's request to get better. And then just as quickly, people recognized society and lawmakers, we have an issue. We've got to cut back on those prescriptions. Not everybody was able to successfully get weaned and uh, back to a non-opioid pain medication or back to lower doses. And that led probably to some illicit drug use. Absolutely. As people were dealing with this disease of addiction. Right. So those are some of those factors. We see it in the military. We see it in other high-risk industries, agriculture, ranching, maritime, shipbuilding, dry dock, Law enforcement. oil, gas, yeah. mining, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I'd tell you, the rate of suicide for males is significantly higher than for women. Remember that 14.2 I mentioned? Yeah. For males, it's almost 23. And mm. for females, it's closer to 6.4. Mm. So this is still 78% of suicide deaths are to males. It's the second leading cause of death for men. And men between 35 and 54 um we're kind of known as men in the middle. Right. It's uh, a demographic. It's a high risk. And if you look at our population in construction, that's our workers. Uh, yeah, that's our uh, key demographic in our industry for sure. I think what we need to know about is we need to break stigma in our companies. We need to be bold and visible and vocal. And it needs to be vertical through the whole org chart, everyone has a role to play. Mm. I ask companies frequently, what are the biggest barriers to addressing this in your company? And it's been an uncertainty of how the employees will respond and a lack of unified leadership support. So to the contractors, it's not like field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Right. It won't be the first time you talk about it, but you have to have a vision and a strategy that we're going to talk about this in our company, that there is a big impact on our workforce. And that impacts us overall on the bottom line as well. So you can do well by doing good. And to our labor unions, we need you to help us take care of our workers. And we need to partner like you're doing with this Too Tough to Talk campaign. Bring both groups to the table so the employees don't slip through the cracks. Employers, you may have an employee assistance program, but you might not know that your union does. And we need to make certain that the workers in the field know that they have a program that they can seek help from. Mm -hmm. And it just comes down to some joint labor management training. It's where I started when I worked with the contractor. Once I had leadership support, I I went to the unions we were signatory to and let them know that we were going to be talking about these topics. And then more realistically, there's a number of things that we can recommend. And I would call those stigma 
reduction strategies. And so what I'd like to do is just share some of those ideas. Okay, great. Looks like that didn't work. So I'm sorry, this will be a slight edit. That's fine. But I'd like to equip people with ideas. One of the really, I'll just use the word cool, Tim, was uh, Forbes magazine in 2016 had this publication. It showed me how far we'd come since 2014, Mm -hmm. but it made us double down our efforts. The title of that was what construction workers could teach other industries about mental health awareness. And we had not been interviewed by this author. She had done a web search to see what was being done in the workplace. And all she saw were construction related articles. She saw a blueprint on suicide prevention. She saw articles in constructor and building profits and construction business owner. It was really cool. Look at that last paragraph. And it says, although the construction industry may be about the last place you'd expect workers to talk about depression and anxiety, they're becoming industry leaders in mental health awareness. They're doing some incredible work to reduce the stigma attached to mental health and they're saving lives. So if anyone is still doubting that this is a workplace topic, it is. And then number two, suicide is a result of stigma. And stigma is a result of silence and shame. Right. Traditional methods haven't worked. We have to bring this into the workplace. And so the most effective strategies are going to be peer-to-peer. So what I want to share with you are some of these techniques that I've seen work. One is a website called Man Therapy. It uses humor to break stigma. And that's w- it was w- done by the w- Colorado www.mantherapy.org. Uh, that's www.mantherapy.org. I, uh, I forgot until just now, Cal, that we have listening-only audience as well. So uh, sometimes we need to spell things out that people are, are able to see if they're watching this on YouTube, but the listeners won't be able to see it. Thank you, Tim. So the Man Therapy website, it's free, it's accessible. It was geared toward those men in the middle I talked about, but it's resonating with the younger workforce as well. It has videos, it has assessments, it has articles. It's written for men, but it's written for women as well to better understand men. And how do we break down the stigma of talking with us? A few of my favorite videos you can look for on YouTube are exercising, breathing, and eating. Um, Frequently, I'll ask people to send me a text after they watch those videos. One time recently, I had someone with the word ha, one H and 17 A's and 17 exclamation points. So they really appreciated that. There's also on that website, a thing called the 20 item head checklist. And uh, it's kind of a head inspection checklist. It's a male specific assessment tool. And it works really well. Also want to let you know about free suicide prevention videos. We're going to get these on the Too Tough to Talk website. They're from uh, joyages.com slash construction. The longest is just under four minutes. The shortest is about two and a half minutes. And if you watch those in a sequence, it'll teach you how to understand suicide, teach you how to talk to someone about suicide. And that's frequently how we frame this. We want people to be able to talk to their families. We want them to be able to talk to their friends. 
And then we want them to be able to talk to their coworkers. Right. So those videos are free and they're available. We get great feedback. Another stigma reduction strategy. Some companies are doing blogs. Some associations are starting to do blogs. These are examples of uh, three of the eight blogs I've written since March. We've been talking about this invisible construction crisis, what's under the hard hat, this concept of presenteeism. What are the things that are distracting our workers? We all bring these distractions to work. Yesterday, I had a, a really cool conversation with an owner of a construction company who said, wow, we ask our workers to always do near hit reports and to do incident reports and to say all the times they do things wrong. Yeah, Cal, what I just heard you say we don't do that in the office when we open up the wrong workbook or the wrong spreadsheet. We don't do that when we do a typo on a memo that we send to the uh, to the boss. Right. And she said, we have to rethink some of this. Maybe there's too much pressure we're putting on the field. So I just wanted to share. This is what's cool. We're having these really open conversations. Let me read but some you'll of these see titles. here it's strategies to address mental well-being. It's focusing on workforce risk. And then how do you remove these emotional masks? We just try to provide practical tips. And then much of the information from this Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention will be available on the Too Tough to Talk website. But there's artwork for posters. You've got those pledge forms. You can also sign up for training through this website. It's $15 per learner. It's from a group called Living Works, and it's a start module. It's very effective training, very well received. And also, there's one more anonymous screening tool. And you can learn a lot by taking anonymous screenings for mental health. That, uh, and I just want to share with the viewers, these are some of those posters. They're uh, English and Spanish. They've got racial and gender diversity. We did that for the Women Build Nations Conference in 2018, and uh, that was a powerful set of uh, presentations I had the privilege of doing. Those look great. Uh, Cal, can you read off the website for that Construction Industry Alliance? Yes. Thank you, Tim. That Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention, we call it the CIASP, is www preventconstructionsuicide.com preventconstructionsuicide.com that's a pretty bold name for a website that started back in 2016 and we were showing people we can talk about these tough issues we say there's no more elephants in the room we're able to talk about mental health substance misuse and suicide prevention and if we don't talk about it not going to get better by themselves right. and so if we stand together united, labor management, we can keep people from slipping through the cracks. So I'd like to give a shout out. Many of the leading industry publications have um, published articles on this topic. From November 1st of 2015 to the present date, over 215 unique articles and a lot of reprints. So we're trying to saturate the mindset and let people know all the different ways Tim, that this fits into safety, health, wellness, well-being, stress management, self-care practices, employment functions, employee benefits, labor relations, and even um, 
community relations and sure. corporate social responsibility. This touches every aspect of a construction company and it's powerful. So a, a last area of stigma reduction I like to talk about, I mentioned those pocket packets with the wallet cards. You'll see on this slide, two different hard hat stickers and three different wallet cards. We were having conversations to teach people how to have safety conversations about these important topics. They ask, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And what to do if someone says no, or you're not convinced that they're uh, not okay. Oh, yeah, that's great. And really been powerful, Tim, to see our industry respond so well. Um, some of these, some of these um, pieces of information in the slide here are a, a card that says uh, it's titled "Suicide Warning Signs," and it has, I think, it looks like ten or twelve different bullet points for things to watch out for and, and to refer people for help. There's a one eight hundred number at the bottom, uh, like you said, hard hat stickers, wallet cards with I, I can't read it on the slide, but uh, L E A R N. Um, what does that say there? Yeah, that's a five-step method. It was um, developed at the University of Washington, has a nonprofit called Forefront Suicide Prevention, and their model is called Learn Saves Lives. And each step stands for a step in a really powerful safety conversation. So look for warning signs, mm -hmm. empathize and listen, Asking directly about suicide, mm. removing the dangers if someone is at risk, mm -hmm. and then the N is next level of care. Make a referral to either the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, to the Crisis Text Line, or to the Employee Assistance Program. And we do training that teaches people how to have conversations. We've had to do a training class on when and how to talk to workers about suicide prevention, to break down those barriers, to show people everyone has a role to play. Sure. It's been uh, really powerful, Tim, to see our industry respond. How much of the suicide, uh, I don't know, the inclination to commit suicide stems from a feeling that you're all alone? I think isolation and loneliness is a real big factor. And a lot of times now, the younger generation feels more isolated. They feel more loneliness. So we're very concerned about that trend. It's uh, right now, one in 10 adults during COVID has considered suicide. One in four children, less than 24, have considered suicide. So if you have not shared this information at home with your children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, share it with your family. Be especially sensitive to the emotional needs of children. Children were already um, at risk of suicide. Ages 10 all the way to 24, suicide was the second leading cause of death before oh the God. pandemic. And now during the pandemic, with that increased uh, suicidal ideation is what they call it, the thinking about suicide. So loneliness, isolation, someone being withdrawn, someone feeling helpless or losing hope are other issues. If you hear someone say that they're a burden, the world would be better off without me, yeah. or I won't be along much longer. You won't have me to kick around anymore. Mm -hmm. Those are all really good signs of someone experiencing 
uh, undue stress and really possibly teetering maybe from stress, anxiety, or depression toward uh, considering suicide. So those are the folks you want to direct to care. And when you have that conversation, don't leave them. Be with them. See if you can uh, break that dynamic. Put uh, separation of time and uh, distance between harm. So go with them. Ask if you can get coffee. You want to go get a bite to eat. You want to come to my house. Let's watch a movie together. You want them to feel reconnected. And then you want to encourage them to make that call to the suicide prevention lifeline. Absolutely. There will be people who don't want to make that call. And that's why we teach them that crisis text line as well. That number is you would text help to 741741. You can type hello. You can type connect. You'll get back an automated reply that says they're looking for one of their volunteer counselors. And then they'll start texting. And um, it's powerful service. One of those anecdotes, Tim, that you asked me to share was a gentleman at the company I had been working for. I visited one of his projects one day after doing a couple big group meetings. I went to see his project and I could tell he was an artist on uh, on a roller. Mm-hmm. And so he's an operator. And uh, I said, wow, you're like an artist. He said, how'd you know? Who told you I'm an artist? I said, well, no, I just watched you. Well, it turned out he is a gifted artist. Chainsaw art, paint, sculpting. The guy can do anything with his hands. So we kind of had that little comical exchange. And then he said, you make people feel safe. And I said, I should. I'm a risk manager. He said, no, you make people feel really safe. And that was a tag word for psychological safety that he felt understood. He felt not judged. And that he shared with me that he struggled with depression. And he asked if I could help him. And I shared with him this crisis text line. At first, he didn't want to. And he called me several times that he needed help. And what his worry was, I'm okay if I get my boots on. But sometimes starting at 10 at night or midnight, all the way to 2 or 4 in the morning, I don't know if I can go to work. Mm. So he wasn't getting good rest. That affected his overall you know, demeanor. Right. And his ability to stay focused sometimes is what he said. And so I asked him to call the crisis text line. Look, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. I'm just a safety guy. And as soon as he did, he said, I felt this relief. That help was only one text away. And he started sleeping better. And um, a really happy ending. And he started coming to things that we were doing called suicide prevention summits. Right. And he started sharing his story. And he said, look for the person like me. We're invisible to most of you, but we are suffering in silence. Look for the person who's alone. Look for the person who's isolated. Look for the person who doesn't engage. We don't make eye contact with you because we're intimidated because we feel different because no one really understands us. Right. And again, Tim, I looked around the room, 110 administrative people who were hearing him tell this story. They were all in tears. Mm -hmm. They were so touched with his rawness. It led to a lot of companies jumping on the bandwagon and saying, teach us more. Let me, uh, let me read to you an email. I think you've seen it, but I want to read it for the podcast. 
that we received after you gave your presentation the other day. Uh, email written to Kent. Kent, th this hit close to home for me, and I'm proof things can be overcome. I've spent the last five plus years having surgery on my legs due to poor to no blood circulation, and I've never gave up or let it affect my desire to keep trying. This past year, I had my left leg amputated just below the knee. Surgery went bad, and they had to go back in and amputate more. Since May, I've been chained to a wheelchair and walker. I never gave up, quit, or thought about anything but getting better and back to the work I've been doing for 40 years. For the last five months, I've been fortunate to work for a great company and owner. He allowed me to work from home and stay involved. Ten days ago, I was fitted with a prosthetic leg. Today, I'm able to walk with a cane only. I'll be climbing a ladder again in the not-too-distant future. I told my boss just the other day I would be in to see him at the office, and I'm looking forward to getting back to my desk, exclamation point. It took family, friends, and a great company to keep me from giving up or doubting my future. It's been an interesting journey and one I look forward to continuing for a long time. I plan to continue my 48-year marriage, my closeness with my four kids and my grandkids. Just becoming a number is not in my future. Spread the word. And... And this gentleman sent us this, sent Kent this email after hearing your presentation. I don't think he was there live, but Kent sent it to him. And, uh, you know, you can just feel, just oh. put yourself in his shoes. I can't imagine. No, what a story of hope, help and recovery. Um, that is resilience. That is a tenacious spirit. And look at some of the powerful things that he shared. He had an employer, he has a wife, he has four children, and he called out the support he got from each of them. And that made him feel whole, despite uh, those physical challenges. And look at that, oh, just warrior spirit right. that he shares about getting back on a ladder and going back to his work. And I wish him nothing but the best. What a powerful testimony. And for anyone that's listening, that is the power of hope. And we need to kindle that hope. We need to be the light through people's darkness. And stigma creates this abyss that over time you get enveloped by darkness and then you can't see that light and you can't find your way out. But hope shines eternal. It allows a person to find a path and it allowed other people then to touch him. Uh, when Kent shared that testimony, uh, even now you read it, I was fighting back tears. Uh, that's the human spirit. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this, Tim. That's why you're learning about this topic. It's why your association is going to be uh, joining forces. It's why AGC nationally is making this part of their platform. We do it for the one person, and that gentleman put fuel back in my tank. September was a hard month, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and um, I read those words. Um, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to tell you. I fought back tears, and then I, I sobbed, mm -hmm. and um, then I said a prayer for this gentleman and his family and his employer, and then I stood up, and I fist pumped, and I was like, awesome. And so someday I look forward to meeting that gentleman 
and um, it'll be a big high five and a big bear hug. That's awesome. His spirit is uh, why we do this. Absolutely. Now, changing subjects just a little bit, have you seen or heard of the new movie Social Dilemma on Netflix? Oh, yes. And the stats they gave on, on teenage suicide? Oh, and it's just alarming. It's uh, very concerning that National Action Alliance for Suicide Prevention works very closely with the entertainment industry. Okay. So we have 250 different partners. I have the privilege of uh, representing our big, broad construction industry and talk a lot about the things that we do. But the entertainment industry has been really focusing on safe depiction of suicide, and then safe reporting guidance to the media on uh, suicide and how we talk about suicide, how we treat it with dignity and respect, and we don't blame the victim. And we teach people a lot of those techniques. When I watched that film with my family, we had a deep, uh, engaging conversation. My children uh, grew up with me sharing wallet cards with them. Each of my children has shared that information with friends and uh, strangers and even coworkers. And um, I wish that they were more readily available, but we need to figure out um, additional apps to share information and build a social network among those youth and teenagers and young adults. So they look out for each other like we're doing in our industry. If you haven't seen it, if you're listening and haven't seen that movie, uh, I recommend checking it out. It's called The Social Dilemma. But one of the things that they pointed out was that since 2011 suicides among particularly among um, teenage girls between ages 11 and I forget what age 15 or something like this have gone up three three times or, or more I think I, I'm not I'm not uh, I can't remember exactly what the stat was but it was as, astronomical increase in suicides 2011 was the the year that social media got on our phones and, um, and they were kind of correlating the two statistics of, uh, of social media being on your phones, all the impacts psychologically of teenage girls, um, being exposed to that. And then the increase in suicide rates. But that leads me to the question about, um, um, the suicide Alliance, suicide prevention Alliance. Are these resources available for families of construction workers? Yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great question, and thank you for sharing the, that number. I gave kind of a high level number. You drilled in even deeper, um, and there is some really important information. So, I'd like people to know this is a society crisis, not just construction. Mm-hmm. Before COVID, it was a society issue. Since 1999, suicide overall has increased 39 percent. And among the whole population, from 99 to 2006, it increased 1% per year. But since 2007, 2% per year. And then that high-risk population of teenagers has been very, very concerning. And the social media, it's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses, the image, the appearance. It's the social cyberbullying that's occurring as well, making people feel like outcasts. So what I would tell you is there's been a big emphasis around schools and sharing information. There's some great school-based programs. If it's not in your school and if you're a parent of a 
school-aged children, ask your school board, ask your school uh, superintendent, why not? It's something that should be commonplace and it's something that should be built into curriculum. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the resources, we are going digital, most of society. And so you're seeing a reluctance to print a lot of material. So that American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has great resources online. That's www.afsp.org. And for those with those underlying mental health conditions, anxiety, depression, panic, you know, even schizophrenia, depression, major depression, many others, there's great resources on that National Alliance of Mental Illness. And that's www.nami.org. Two resources I use a lot. On the substance abuse or misuse side, it's called uh, substance use disorders. Mm -hmm. There's an organization called the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, known as SAMHSA, right. even though it's not the right acronym, but <laughs> that's how we all say it. Yeah, They have a national helpline, and it's not a number that I've memorized, like I've memorized so many others. So I'm going to see if I can get that real quickly. Great. And Tim, if you have to edit, that's okay too. But this national helpline helps families with mental health and substance use challenges. They can help you find uh, treatment. And that helpline is 800-662-4357. And it's also online. But that number is a great uh, service that helps a lot of people. So Tim, kind of to answer your question, it's hard to disseminate a lot of information. So what you're doing with the too tough to talk, mm -hmm. we could load information on school age children. We could provide some additional uh, resources there. Great. And yeah. uh, that could be a real good enhancement based on your comment and your feedback. Right. I mean, it, it, if you have a, a serious health crisis among your family members, uh, that's going to distract you at work. It's going to make you less safe at work. So, and it doesn't matter. I mean, if, if friend or family, it's going to distract you. It's such a major disruption in your life that uh, it's going to help everyone if we can care for our whole community, not just uh, not just the workers themselves. So, one other thing I like to share, Tim, is a gentleman named Kevin Hines. Mm -hmm. Kevin Hines tells a really powerful story, much like the gentleman that you read his uh, testimonial. 20 years ago, Kevin Hines survived a jump from the Golden Gate Bridge. In 2016, January, I met Kevin in person. I was an opening act at a White House um, conference on men's health. And Kevin was one of the main speakers, along with Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas. Mm -hmm. Kevin told the story in about 40 minutes that's captured in this five minute video link on our slides. The video link is uh, from YouTube. And if you just type Kevin Hines story, you'll uh, see a five minute video, approximately five minutes. I'll link it in the show notes um, too, Cal. Good. Thank you for doing that, Tim. And um, on Kevin's website, you'll see a lot of videos and a lot of resources. 
Kevin talks about his struggle with bipolar and depression. And he talks much like that gentleman did, the power of his wife and family, his friends, and now this global network. He calls it the ripple effect. And it's powerful. Think about someone surviving a jump from a bridge. Mm. Like he made a ripple effect. And now the ripple effect he's describing is the ripple effect of compassion, caring for people and helping people be stronger. So what Kevin tells is this story of immediate regret. And sometimes people feel that people who attempt suicide or have succeeded at suicide were weak. And I say, you don't know Kevin Hines because he's one of the toughest guys I know. Mm. Kevin is a story of hope and resilience and of recovery. And so what I'd like to tell people is if you're concerned about someone in your personal life, that you have a good relationship, it's healthy, they trust you, they know that you care for them, hear this video. And I've seen amazing things uh, when people hear Kevin tell that story. It lets people know that they're not alone, that people understand them, and that if he can get help, I can get help. And Kevin was one of the first people that really convinced me letting people know it's okay to not be okay is an effective strategy of letting people know that I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And um, I give a big shout out to Kevin every time I do a presentation because I've witnessed the power he has over mental illness. And uh, I always tell him, lead on. I want to just share real quickly He'll do a public audience. He goes to military bases, college campuses. I've seen him at community events. Uh, he does a lot of fundraisers to help local organizations. He always stays and greets every person who wants to talk. And I've seen him wait 90 minutes after a grueling day of being out in the community and then doing this 90-minute presentation. He waits till the end. And um, the last time I saw Kevin in person was pre-COVID, but uh, every person wanted a hug or a big handshake. Yeah. That tells you the story of we're in this together, right? And um, I hope people will check him out. He's uh, truly amazing. And he, one of his taglines is hashtag be here tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, look him up. I think you uh, listeners will hopefully take away uh, some really valuable nuggets to help people you're concerned about in your lives. Yeah. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. And then, and if you're not looking at the slides with us on the YouTube version, his book is called cracked, not broken Kevin Hines, H I N E S. And a full length feature film called the ripple effect 90 minutes that talks about how this story is getting out across the country. Okay. Cool. It's uh, and really around the globe, I should say. Excuse me. I'll check that out. Well, I certainly appreciate you joining me today and, and talking about this with us. I'm very excited to get the Too Tough to Talk website launched in Northeast Ohio to get hard hat stickers on people's hard hats out in the field to get signage up, just to share all these resources that you have you have initiated and compiled with the uh, Construction Alliance and uh, in what they've done in Agency of Missouri, Northwest Ohio, Agency of Washington. All of this is going to be shared and, and needs to be shared. And I, I really appreciate that there's no pride of authorship. There's no um, paywalls or anything like that set up. 
And I just encourage all of our viewers, all of our listeners to to click on tooftofftotalk.com. Again, it's the number two, T-U-F-F, the number T, two, talk, T-A-L-K, dot com. Um, it's AGC of Northwest Ohio right now, but they've linked all these resources. Cal, how can people get in touch with you if they're listening from outside of Ohio? Yeah, I'll uh, list my contact information on this slide for those that are um, watching. And for those of you that are listening and aren't seeing the screen, the best way to get me is my email. It's C Buyer, B E Y E R at sign csdz.com. And if something is uh, very important, you're trying to figure out how to build this into your company, you can call my cell phone, 651-307-7883. If you're trying to help someone in a time of crisis, please call that National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. But I can help you if you're looking for additional information, you're trying to figure out how to build this into your company, or if you're a labor union and you want other examples of labor unions that have done things, I can let you know uh, people and connect you with uh, additional resources. Awesome. Well, I think we've, we've covered it. And thank you for, again, Cal, for your time, for getting up a little early today. And uh, this is a Friday, so hopefully you've got a nice weekend planned and we will be in touch though. Jim, thank you. I really appreciate you and I appreciate what your team is doing and really excited uh, with the partnership you've built with Northwest Ohio as well. Great. Well, thanks again. My best wishes. Take care. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers Podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.